Only 4% of universities in the U.S. are R1 research institutions, and Temple University is one of them. This means 100% of students have the opportunity to participate in hands-on learning and research with world-class faculty. With over 600 academic programs across 17 schools and colleges, Philadelphia's largest public university provides students with a rich variety of opportunities and propels graduates to succeed in their careers. Temple University. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. visit With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, this is Joe Sanfilippo. You're listening to the GeekCast Radio Network. You're listening to the GeekCast Radio Network. Unleash the geek in you. Hello everyone, TFG and Mike here. I just wanted to put this clip at the beginning of this episode because in this episode, myself and my awesome guest, Tony Wolf, say that this is episode 312. Initially, this was supposed to be episode 312. And then I had the idea to finish up my Marin Moments episode, which actually became episode 312. So this is episode 313. This will be the final episode of 2022. Happy New Year to everybody going into 2023. And after this episode, GCR is probably going to take a couple of months off. I don't know yet. I have a plan for 314, so we'll see what happens. It's going to be a real job, y'all. Anyway, on with the show. This is GeekCaster Radio, episode 312. I'm, of course, TFG on Mike, and joining me for the first time in a long time, actually, I've listened to this guy on a previous podcast he used to do called The Action Room. I've actually wanted to record with him for years now. He has a new book coming out, a new graphic novel that we will be talking about, but it is none other than Mr. Tony Wolf. Hi, Tony. How are you? Hey, Mike, how are you? Very glad to be here, especially after all these years of being connected. Yes, exactly. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Absolutely, absolutely. I guess we can call it the in-action room now. <laughs> right? Yes. It is, it is the, uh, the defunct uh, room, but we had a great time doing that show. We did the show for four years, I believe. This was the podcast we did called The Action mm-hmm. Room. Yep. And that's how that's how you and I first got connected, right on Twitter. Yeah, because I was listening to it, and you guys probably gave out a twi- your, your Twitter handles, and yeah. we've just kind of been following each other ever since. Totally, absolutely. We are at the end of 2022, going into the beginning of 2023, and we're going to be talking about the Tales of the Wolf, which is your new graphic novel. Yes, thanks. So this is uh, a collection. Of all my comics, most of which are autobio, some of which are like history comics, 
And a lot of these comics have been only web comics. So many of them have never before ever appeared in print. Right. I had wanted to do a collection for, for a while. And finally, the, the stars aligned. At, at first, you know, I wanted to do a collection, but I said to myself, I won't do a collection until I have enough stories that, you know, that it would, that would uh, justify a collection. So it's a collection of short stories. Um, and now the book is 225 pages of stuff. Um, I've, did, I've, done, I've written and drawn four stories for the New York Times that are uh, comics, for the New York Times, once in a while, they will run comics. They just need to be almost like a newspaper article in comic form. Yep. And, yeah, it's a whole lot of stuff. There's a lot of comics, autobiographical stories from when I lived in Brooklyn. I lived in Greenpoint, Brooklyn, for 22 years. Uh, and there's just so many stories from anthologies, one-offs. And I wanted to put a back matter section in because I always like when a book has back matter. So illustrations that aren't stories or sketchbook material and all that kind of mm -hmm. stuff. I don't mind if back matter is like you're saying, like either the sketches of the covers or alternate covers or whatever. But in, yes. I'm, I'm just going to call them out because they I know both companies do this a lot, but. DC is the one that I read the most that they will put backup stories into their books. And I'm like, I want, okay, you gave me, let's say 20 something pages of what the story was supposed to be for whatever issue it is. And then you want me to right. read this completely separate thing in the same. Don't do that. Yes, yeah. <laughs> I'm not a fan of, of having backup stories, but I don't, I love, that's why I love trade paperbacks because in trade paperbacks, they will throw in, Every behind, you know, most places will throw in almost every behind the scenes thing you can think of from alternate covers or other covers or yes. exclusive, you know, covers or sketches, sketches or drawings or how the covers are made or letters from the, the creators and things like that. So I, I love that kind of stuff. Yeah, I always think that stuff is a lot of fun, uh, the back matter. And so I wanted to really uh, play with it and have fun. Since the whole story, I'm like this indie comics guy. Since the whole book is this indie comics thing, I also threw in, and I like when books do this, I threw in some childhood artwork, right, for a kid. Okay. I always yeah. got a kick out of it when, like, Alex Ross would show his childhood drawings, <laughs> you know? Mm -hmm. um, so we have – I didn't want to put too much childhood artwork in there because I didn't want to – I thought that would be too self-indulgent, but there's a couple of, of things in there. Yep. Yeah, it's a lot of cool stuff, and I, like I said, folks, I've I've read most of this. What I have read is a not completely finished version because apparently somebody at the printers uh, stopped the printer or something. Yeah, so we had we had some printer delays, um, mm -hmm. but what you have is the like if if we did. 7.0 versions drafts you have version 5.0 or no you have version 6.0 in pdf we just okay, we yeah. made like i gave mike a pdf preview we just made a bunch of changes you know to tighten things up uh in the yeah. final and because we were sort of in a rush to get it to the printer because the printer might have had delays and such uh we didn't do the the publisher whose name is eli schwab of cosmic lion productions 
he has a PDF of the truly final version, but we were sort of, you know, we wanted to send it off real quick. So I don't have a PDF of that. I could certainly get it from him, but I figured for the purposes of, you know, for, for the show, it's okay yeah. if you have the, the 90, 92% completed version. <laughs> yeah. And I only read up to like page 78 or seven, like I've read just past yeah. the McRib story, which we will talk about in a minute, but yeah. I'm going through. So what I do is, when people send me PDFs, yes, yeah. I, when, I'm, when I'm reading the PDF, I will read it in read mode or whatever else. But I also extract it and turn the things into separate images, separate, oh, cool. separate JPEGs, so I can just look at it that way. And I'm looking right. at some of this back art, and I'm like, okay, how much do I have to pay you to get a full version of this Knight Rider image? Because... Uh, <laughs> Holy I'll crap! It was just it was a sketchbook thing for fun. I'll, I'll send you one for free, man. That's that's easy to do. Because <laughs> oh my god, you you have no idea, and I don't know how. I guess people just don't pay attention to me, but I have been a Knight Rider fan since I was I don't know four years old. Oh wow! Okay. And, oh yeah, Rider. and it's yeah, absolutely. I met the man when I was six years old. He I, there's a wow. famous picture. Yeah, there's a. I'll have to tag you in the picture on Facebook. Please but, do, yeah. Yeah, there's a picture of, of him and me. And so because I have cerebral palsy on my right side, the picture is us with the thumbs up in our left hands. And he is basically putting his hand over my right hand that has the brace. Oh, my God. It was like freaking just dream come true meeting oh, David Hasselhoff awesome. in his that's prime. Really so anytime, cool. yeah, anytime I see any Night Rider stuff, I'm like, hey, I know that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Knight Rider was really fun. I actually, you know, there's so many TV networks now that replay old reruns. Mm -hmm. And I, mm -hmm. I was flipping around like two weeks ago and I saw a Knight Rider episode and I'm watching it for like 20 minutes and it's Gina Davis in the episode. Mm -hmm. yep. It's a very young, super young Gina Davis as a guest star. Do you know that episode? Yep. Oh, yeah. I don't. I, 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 yeah, she was like a cat burglar or something. Yes, yes. Oh, I re yes. That's the. Is that the episode where her father was was um, uh, Jaime from Gets uh, uh, Dick Gautier? Might be. Uh, might be. Voice of yeah. So yeah, I know which episode you're talking about. Um, it was wild. I, I was like, oh my gosh, this is Gina Davis before anyone knew who Gina Davis was. Really, you know? Yeah. I just watched this the other day um, uh, as a, a old clip because I I'm subscribed to the uh, the, the Johnny Carson Tonight Show YouTube channel or whatever and they put okay. all the old clips. So it was an old interview right before I forget which which movie she had coming out, but it was like an old interview with set, like a really old interview with a young Sally Field, and wow. Sally Field has pretty much looked the same age. Yes. You know, <laughs> you know, since Forrest Gump kind of thing, you know. No. So <laughs> but I saw that and I'm like, "Oh my god, I have never seen this. This is amazing." This is but this yeah. is random, but do you know who Bruno Kirby is, the actor? Uh, I think I've heard the name, but I'm not sure. He was a character actor in tons of stuff. He was in City Slickers most notably, okay. but he's in everything. Anyway, Bruno Kirby I was flipping through again randomly these old channel networks, and there was an episode of Columbo uh, with Patrick McGowan, 
who's the prisoner, if you know that kind of world. Um, yeah. And Secret Agent Man. But anyway, a very, very young Bruno Kirby is in it with a pretty big part as a military uh, cadet. And I was like, oh, my God. Bruno Kirby was a big, like, 80s star primarily, 80s films. Anyway, it was just so funny. When you see these, you know, network shows from the 70s and you see a baby version of of someone we know now. Yeah, absolutely. It's, It's so, so crazy. And, I'm just, and you said you have a you have a story about um, the death of Jason Todd, the phone death of Jason Todd. You voted to kill him. I did. So I, one of the things in this book, uh, Tales from the Wolf, is uh, a, a comic book story about my experience voting to kill Jason Todd. But did you vote to uh, have him live? No, that's that's the thing. I was eight years old. I was more of a cartoon kid than a comic kid. It had no right. consequence on me. And plus, at that time, yeah. it was one nine hundred, and anything one nine hundred was forbidden. Yes, until they yep. until they changed it to be a, an eight hundred number. But yeah, no, I no, I, and that's the thing. That's part of the write up that I did for for the website, where it's like. Yes. The title is I never cared about Jason Todd until now. And then the until now part is because Sean Gordon Murphy is writing his white knight universe over at DC and he, yeah. So he has basically, he accidentally mixed up the Robins. So in his universe, Jason was first, Dick was second. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it, it, it's been, you know, that as far as, you know, that, that, that kind of thing. So it's like, Oh, you voted to kill him, and I just had no, no I had n- nothing on it. Yeah, so. and I see you. You started a discussion on Twitter about you know people sharing their memories of the death of yeah, Jason. Well, yeah, so I did that. Be- yeah, before I I wrote up the little blurb that I wrote up for the article, I was like, I want to get people's opinions on what happened because I, like I said, I had no knowledge of it. Right, it wasn't wasn't anywhere i was eight years old at in 1988 i was more interested in the turtles than anything else totally that makes sense yeah you know so i don't know so did you always want to be an actor was that your ultimate goal when you were a kid what did you want to be when when tiny tony was a kid i'm a weird i'm a weird mix i didn't really know what i wanted to be necessarily when i was a kid I was very into drawing. I was very into writing my own comics. Um, I think from a pretty young age, I kind of, I kind of mostly wanted to be a, an illustrator or an artist. But at the same time, I was a huge, as many of us are, right, a huge pop culture fan, TV, movies, uh, music, everything. And deep down, I kind of always, I kind of wanted to be an actor, but it seemed so unlikely that I just didn't really admit that to myself fully. Um, like it was a fantasy that just seemed too unreal. I read an, I, I read a, I heard an interview with Bob Odenkirk recently, and he said something similar. Like in his childhood, it just didn't seem like it was a real job. Like. It did not compute. Like, how do people get to be actors? Um, mm-hmm. But another thing that was an influence, I think, on me, my dad was a professional voiceover actor for a while in the 80s. 
That was not his, he was not a lifelong actor, but my father has a voice that sounds like this and everything <laughs> he said is like, it's effortless for me. I have to put a little effort in to like drop my voice that low. And, but my father, whose name is Bob Wolf, he just sounds like this. And at the time that was really uh, the hot voiceover style. So my dad was a salesman who worked in the medical field, but he eventually started doing voiceovers because people like said, you got to go do voiceovers. You have a good voice for this. Mm -hmm. And so about for about five years, he did voiceovers and he did a few commercials that were kind of big. And, and I think that that definitely like made an impression on me. You know, I was like, my dad seems to be doing these voiceovers and, that was kind of acting, right? But yeah. but I was also an enormous fan of any geeky TV and movies at all. So, but in my teenage years, I really wanted to be an illustrator. And in my teenage years, I was like, I'm going to be an artist for Marvel or DC. That was my goal. And I mm -hmm. thought that the acting, which I was increasingly doing in high school, uh, junior high school and high school, I was singing, I was acting. I thought, well, the acting stuff is just for fun. I really want to be an illustrator. And so I was, I, you've heard of this. There was a, the official Marvel tryout book. Have you heard of that? Yeah, I remember. So I got that. I tried drawing a story and it pretty much sucked. And I think I knew it sucked at the time. And, <laughs> but I was very, I would read all these interviews in magazines like Amazing Heroes or the Comics Journal. Anytime I could read an interview about how the comics were made, I would devour right. all of those. And I would read John Byrne talking about his plans and how he wrote and drew. And I was like, that's going to be me. I'm going to be writing and drawing my own stuff. And then when I went to college, I sort of got more into acting and fell a little bit out of love with the idea of being an illustrator. Mm -hmm. um, the main thing is it, drawing is very solitary. It's just like, I'm sure with your work, right? I mean, you do archiving podcasts and editing podcasts it's just you so it can yeah. it can sometimes feel a little bit isolating have you ever experienced that or for me it's more about so i'm just over my 14th anniversary of podcasting by the time this yeah. comes out at the end of the year 2022 i celebrated that on december 12th nice and congratulations thank you thank you and you know i that's what i do I yes. don't have like because of my because of my disabilities because of sure. things in my life that I can't control anymore. I never had control of them in the first place. It's kind of hard to you know do a nine to five when you can't even really use your right hand, kind of you yeah. know kind of thing. Yeah. So it's like, what am I going to do? Well, okay, I've got my left hand, I've got my voice, I've got my ears, I kind of have my eyes because I'm legally blind. But it's like you know whatever. Yes, that's great. Yeah, I have all the time in the world even though it kills me sometimes when I'm editing podcasts, when I like, if I have to edit something that's two or three hours long, which we rarely do those shows, sure, but sure. like, you know, when we do those shows, I'm sitting here like, and now I'm like starting to break it up. Okay. I'll edit an hour here. I'll take a break. I'll come back an hour later and edit the next, yeah. you know, whatever. But normally I'm sitting here, you know, 11, 12 hours a day, editing or recording or plan. Like I said, I am a podcast machine. I, it, yes. it is what I do. And yeah, you're right. It is very, it is very solitary in the fact that I'm listening back to conversations I just had, because I want to make sure that those conversations 
can sound the best that I can get them to sound. Like I don't want exactly to be because you have that you have that dedication to to quality and that drive. And I it try. is funny. Yeah, and working by yourself, it's 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 a mix, right? A lot of the time, it's really fun to just zone out, put on some music or whatever you do, and just focus on the task, right? Yeah. And it's just one of those things where, for me, it's a little different now because, you know, for four and a half years, my, even though she's no longer here, my lovely wife and I, you know, we found this balance of, like, she knew I was a podcaster. She knew I spent all of my time pretty much doing this. But I right. found a way, and we found a way to where, like, if she wanted to take a nap or if she was, like, she she was in accounting, she was in bookkeeping and okay. things like that. So she had a nine-to-five job kind of right. thing. So, like, whenever she wasn't home, I could plan, I could record during the day or I could do this or whatever if I needed to record at night as long as we, we, we found that time balance of between the times that I'm doing the podcast stuff versus the time that we spent together. And mm-hmm. now that she's no longer here, I'm like – and this is an explicit podcast, not that I'm going to curse all the time, but it's just oh, that emotional yeah. point in the thing where it's like, I'm at a point where, oh, fuck, what am I going to do with all this time? Like, I don't have yeah. that time split anymore. I don't have like, I don't have that thing where I'm like, okay, I'm at a great place in the podcast. Like I'm at the, the ad section or whatever, where I insert po- other podcast ads from other shows and whatever, where I could save that, get up go see her go to lunch or go to the, like, I don't have that anymore. Yeah. So it's like, yeah. this is what I do. And I yeah. try to do it the best I can. Yeah. I'm so, and I'm so here sorry to talk about me. We're here to talk about you. Yeah. Well, no, I, just, <laughs> you know, I, I applaud you for, like you said, you, this is what you do. You're, you're working hard at it. You, you craft it to make the, it the best it can be, you know? Yep. So, so pretty much all you can do. Yeah, that's all any of us can do. You know, we just uh, do as much as we can, the best we can. So the the long story short is that I started to get a little more into acting and a little bit less into wanting to draw all the time. Mm-hmm. And so also the other thing about illustration, I can draw decently, but man, compared to the masters or the people that are working at DC and Marvel on a regular basis, I feel like I'm an amateur. Like you have to be able to draw almost anything from almost any angle. You know what I mean? Like any, you, you have to, if the writer writes a, a crazy scene with all these different things, you have to execute that. And what I found when I started doing my own comics, I have a sort of a, a built-in uh, crutch or, or a trick, if you will. If you write the stories, like I do most of my stories, you can write to your strength as an artist. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I know I'm not great at drawing cars, so you don't see a whole lot of cars in my story. <laughs> um, yeah. So I just, I, you know, I think a lot of people, you want to be a rock star or you want to be a baseball player. Or I think sometimes when people hit college, they they start to realize, all right, maybe I'm not quite good enough to do this, you know, at the professional level right now, or maybe I don't want it bad enough. I do. I think if I had gone to an art school and solely, if I had doubled down on, uh, mm-hmm. on drawing and just said, I'm going to be an artist. That's it. I'm making the decision. I think I've, 
if I had gone to art school, I would have maybe been competent enough or skilled enough to maybe have a shot in comics mm. professionally. But, you know, with acting, you, you use your body and your voice, which already exist, and you use, like, it's almost like self-expression with your body and your voice. But with drawing, you have to create a whole world on the paper. Um mm -hmm. And you have to be able to draw things, like I said, from any angle, all kinds of scenes and situations, and keep it interesting. And I just thought, I want to use the instrument I have, my body, my voice, and the drawing I'll just do for fun. So mm -hmm. it kind of flipped. In teenage years, I thought, I'm going to be a professional illustrator for comics, and the acting is for fun. And when I went to college, yeah. it was like, the drawing is for fun, and I'm going to try to make a go of it as an actor. Um, and essentially, my 20s and 30s, I did a lot of acting, theater, small, tiny film, commercials. And by the time I hit 40, I was like, well, I'm not, I'm not like a full-time working actor. I'm not massively successful or anything by age 40. And so I started to look at doing comics again, <laughs> maybe just as a passion project, right? And so I'm 51 now. Age 40 is when I was like, all right, time to do some comics. Because I also had free time, right? I was single. I wasn't getting lots of acting jobs. So <laughs> I, had, I had some free time. And I thought, well, I can use the free time at least trying to write and draw some short stories. So mm -hmm. that was that was the evolution. Yeah, and it's, it's a great so, – like we said in the beginning of this, folks, you know, part of this is is Tony's uh, Greenpoint of View series, where he's talking about living in Greenpoint, and it's it's a memoir. It's you know your your life story. It's your trip to work. Which, holy crap, you worked in the World Trade Center? Yeah. So, um, with a lot of these autobio stories, right? I've been reading autobio comics. For many years, I think seventh grade was when I discovered Harvey Picard, Dean Haspiel, people who were writing and drawing autobiographical stuff. Mm -hmm. And so when I set out to do my stories, I was like, all right, I've already read so many of these, right? Just like if you were to write superhero stories, you'd be like, I've read 20 years of superhero stories. I tried to write stuff that was hopefully trying to be unique. Like most autobio stories, I joke, were about like how I couldn't get a girlfriend or, you know, and, and I had, I couldn't get a girlfriend for the longest time and I had dating problems and, you know, it was, you know, but I thought I've already read the girlfriend dating stories. So I, I made a concern, even though I was single and I, I, I was having those same problems, right? I was like, I'm going to not do that. I don't want to lean on that, uh, we've already read a million like depressed artist, depressed dating stories, or unless I had a great funny dating story, which I thought was unique, which I didn't, mm -hmm. I tried to do other stories. So one of these stories is about getting a ticket from police at two in the morning on a subway in Manhattan, because I put my feet up on a totally empty car. <laughs> so, <laughs> and I thought, all right, what happened in that event in my life was a, it was a funny story. Like I would tell it at parties and it would, it would get a good response. So my litmus test was if the story is interesting enough to me that when I tell it to someone at a party, it seems like they think it's a unique story. That could be a story for the comics. So 
I did work at the World Trade Center um, in 1999 as a receptionist at a law firm. Back when, you know, the World Trade Center was just a building like any other. Um, we didn't think there would be some, I mean, it was cool to go into the building and to be in that building. And it was obviously, mm-hmm. you know, I had a view from the from the 40th floor where I worked of the Statue of Liberty because I was a receptionist. So I would have this beautiful view looking over the harbor. Right, yeah. So the story is about, you know, fighting a, it's kind of like fighting a silly parking ticket or something, you know, fighting a, a subway ticket that I thought was a little ridiculous. Mm-hmm. But I thought the fact that I worked at the World Trade Center, I thought that would be an element in the story that I could draw and that I could include. And sadly, history being what it is now, that yeah. it would give the story an added sort of element, right? Like a historical element. Well, I mean, it does, that's why I was like, that again, it was one thing, like, I know some things about you, which we'll, we'll talk about in a little while, but like, I don't, I didn't know everything about your life. And that's the point of this memoir is you're showing people parts of your life, at least the first, yes. you know, for the Greenpoint stories. So I didn't know about this. So I'm just like, holy crap. He worked in the world trade. So oh boy, because yeah. we all know what happened 20 something yes. years ago. And yeah. And, and I also thought as a writer, I thought, it would be interesting to have a story that has working in the World Trade Center, but the whole story is not about that, right? The no, whole it's story- not. No, like that's that's where that's your destination, but the story is what happens going to the destination. It's it, it, again, it's the journey that is yes. the story more so than the destination. And yeah, man, and I also thought I thought it might be interesting because you know. People who are actors or people who are artists, they very often have other jobs. You know, we call our survival jobs or our day jobs, right? I mean, I know there's so many people. There's a really good writer in comics who's on social media named Mario Mario Candelaria. And he's like me. He works a day job and he writes comics at night uh, and nights and weekends. And I I write and draw comics on nights and weekends. there's so many of us like that. So I thought it would also be interesting to tell, like, I was, I work at a law firm. At this point in my history, I was at a receptionist at a law firm. I just thought it would be interesting to include a little of that. Um, yeah. And I haven't and seen, oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Finish your. I haven't seen a lot of, there's a very small subsection. There are, there are some, but there's not a lot of people who are in comics trying to be professional or indie who are also actors. It's kind of a weird, like, you know what I mean? There are some, um, there's a guy named Jeffrey Lewis who's, he's not an actor, but he's a a pretty, you know, a somewhat successful rock musician who also writes and draws his own autobiocomics. And so I was like, I was always trying to fit into my comics. Like I'm an actor also, because I just think it's a weird like subset, you know? And, and through the yeah. years, I've gotten to know, oh, I'm an actor also, and I also do comics. And then it's like, oh, you found a friend who also has this weird like, yeah. subset, you know? Yeah, and it's one of those things where it's, it's a part of – it's two halves of your creativity. Like yes. I, I've yeah. said before, you know, I'm quote, unquote, just about a year and a half away from the 30th anniversary of when I started writing poems when I was 14 in 1994. Oh, you know? wow. That's really cool. 
you know, so I started writing poems in, in middle school when I was 14 and I was in a bad place at the time with, with, with a couple of step things going on in my life and okay. whatever else and, and, and all that. And I just started, and I, my poetry style is, it's not haiku. It's not this, it's not iambic pentameter. It's just basically free verse. If I rhyme, I rhyme. If I don't, nice. I don't. It's basically just spoken word, but it's split into like poet, like, the one thing I got out of learning about how to write poetry is you you can either do or do not do stanzas. So 5, 10, 15, whatever. And it, you just tell a story, basically short stories in those five lines of each of the things yeah. and you make it, you know, be whatever. But the writing, even though I have three books of poetry published, they were published wow, from nice. 2007 to 2009. I don't ever really, it doesn't ever really come up because I never, I didn't know what to do with it back then. I didn't know how to get off the ground with it back then because back then sure. it was, well, in 99, when I first looked into it, it was, hey, we're a subsidy publisher. You pay us $5,000 and we'll do all the work. Like, yeah. you don't ever want to go to a subsidy publisher, folks. You don't want to, yeah. you know, no, 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 don't do that. I didn't, and, I didn't know that was, I didn't know that was called a subsidy publisher. That's interesting. Well, that's what it was called at the time. I think that's what I remember. Mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. I I'd have to relook up the definition and whatever else, but you know. So I'm like, oh, okay. And I actually just found. I'll have to put it on Twitter or Instagram. But it's, it's around here somewhere. Yeah, I would like to this. see. Well, so I, I have two or three of the the published books, but I also have binders and before the published books happened in 07 to 09, I did what anyone else used to do back in the day. You print out a bunch of pieces of paper, you put them together in the order you want to put them in, you take them to Kinko's, you make copies yep. and you put them into the bind. I have two binders. Yes. Oh, that's days. awesome. <laughs> yeah. So like, <laughs> yeah, holy crap. Just make a bunch of copies and yeah. Yeah. But like the writing part of me, even though I've written articles on the website, whatever else, that's not, who I feel I am. It's still part of my creativity, right. but I never really have that. Like in 2019, I started doing TFG and Mike 365, where the goal was from January 1st to December 31st, I was going to write one blog entry a day. Okay. And, and it kind of skipped around <laughs> throughout 2019 uh -huh. and things like that. I didn't actually ever finish it, but like that was a goal right. I wanted to set for yeah. myself because I wanted to be able to do something with writing on our website besides all the podcasts I do. But basically mm -hmm. ever since December 12th of 2008, I consider myself a podcaster. I, I've, I've always been one. And since then, and I always will be one. Do yeah. I still consider myself a writer? <laughs> Not really. I mean, I guess I am since I am published, but like, what, what does that mean? I mean, it doesn't really right. like, it has no, like, I don't even think you can buy the books anymore. Like, I don't even think mm -hmm. they're, you know, but you have copies, I'm sure. Yeah, I have copies of all three of them. But like, right. and that's and that's great. That's part of my history, and that's awesome. But like, I'm not out. I don't even know where. Like, I have this story in my head, and I, I've told various people this story, and some some people are like, "Hmm, that's that that's interesting," or "Oh my mm -hmm. god, don't you dare!" So basically, what I want to do is take the. You've seen uh, Tron Legacy, right? You know, it's funny. I've never seen it. I, okay, I, it's on my right. list. Well, I really, really like to see it. Yes, and it doesn't matter if you really have seen the movie or not. But basically, in the movie, 
when they find Jeff Bridges's care, you know, when they find Kevin Flynn and whatever else, and you know, right. he learned he learns of wireless interlinking of digital devices. Oh, we thought of that in 1982. So my thought for a story is everything that's happened in our history, except the internet started in 1978. Okay, what would our society be now? Like cool. we all know that the internet has basically devolved society with social media and everything else and right. all this. But like, if we had it 40 or 50 years ago, where would we be today? Would we still be where we are kind of yeah. thing? And some people just are like horrified, like, Oh Mike, no, don't, don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, but it's interesting. It's almost like dystopian science fiction. Uh, you, you wonder yeah. where we would, it would be interesting to see someone's, someone's creativity about where would we be? Yeah, exactly. And, you know, w- w- with your autobiographical parts of the, of the comic here, it's like, Oh, you know, I just read and we'll, we'll cover it over on our comic podcast at some point. Uh, I just read finding Batman by Kevin Conroy, even though Kevin Conroy passed away this year. Uh, uh. He wrote that, he wrote that story for DC pride this year. Uh, where he was, you know, talking about how he came to be the voice of Batman. And that's, Mm -hmm. you know, anytime I see these mostly black and white stories where it is, you know, the, the autobiographical stuff, I'm like, Oh, this is cool. Oh, this is great. This is, this is, yeah. And with your story, like, (laughs) I love how the art transitions, the end of the subway part. And it's like, the the daily news cops are really ticking us off <laughs> yeah and that by the way that's looks, a real that's a real page yeah. from the newspaper oh that's right yeah okay so yeah. i thought i mean it was funny because i had just moved to brooklyn uh after college and i had been living in brooklyn in greenpoint in that same apartment i had been living there about eight months and or maybe three months, and I I had this experience, and I ended up in the newspaper, and I thought, wow, I'm really going to be famous because I'm in the newspaper after only being here for a few months. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it didn't turn out quite that way, but I oh. thought it was so funny that I thought um, I have to put this actual newsprint, I have to put a Xerox of the Daily News newspaper page i have to put that in the comic because i also like i like when comics occasionally they stick they literally cut and paste like Mm -hmm. there's a page from a magazine and they just shove it into the comic book page itself yeah i always think that was funny and the it's such a goofy picture of me just looking at the camera like hey guys (laughs) (laughs) so i uh i had to show the reader that it was a real daily news uh, page with the date on there visible as well. Yeah, no, absolutely. And you kind of have on the right side of your head, you kind of have a cross between the Dick Grayson haircut and the Superman curl. (laughs) Yes, exactly. And, and so I thought, and what would be funny, what would, you know, so I put some hand lettering there, you know what I mean? Like I had some hand lettering on the page yeah. Just to remind people that it's a comic book, you know, it's a comic yeah. book page. Yeah, yeah. It's a it's a comic book page with a newspaper outline kind of thing. And and, yeah. it, and you you lean into it re- very well because on the previous page setting it up, it says 
The photographer asked to take a picture of me with my feet stretched out like they were on the subway. He had just come from taking pictures of JFK Jr. Dot, dot, dot. Oh, boy. At a society breakfast event. What I saw printed was, and then you have the... Yes. You know, what was... So that was my... Yeah. That was my attempt to have like a page turn reveal, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, it works. It absolutely works. I mean, (laughs) because I I completely forgot that it was an actual newspaper clipping that's in a comic book. And that's what I, I didn't forget that this was a comic. I forgot that it was a news, an actual news. I'm like, Oh, he, wow. Tony really went all out on that. Like, Oh wait, no, he didn't. That's a, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I'm going to a crazy degree, man. (laughs) <laughs> and that's also why I hand illustrated the Daily News logo on that yep. page to try to like, you know, take the reader between the two worlds. The funniest yep. thing was, yeah, this guy came to my house from the newspaper, took pictures of me, and he had just come from taking pictures of like famous people. And I thought, how silly is this? Like, you know, he's coming to some random guy's apartment to take a picture. <laughs> so it was just very funny. Anyway, I I I, I thought that photo would. Uh, I thought the people in Manhattan would say, "Look at this guy. He's clearly an actor. Look at the Superman curl. We got to give him acting jobs." <laughs> right, but what were you going to say? Here, here's my glam shot. No, and then you go to fight the ticket, and and the guy is like, "Learn to take a hint, kid." He was done with me ten minutes ago. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that's like me. Like I will go on a on a tirade or a rant or, or or whatever, and I'll just keep talking and talking and talking. And people are like, "You should have shut up like ten minutes ago." <laughs> yes, <laughs> my yes, my my wife would tell you the same thing, and it's uh, yeah, that's a trait. Maybe maybe it's part of being a geek, right? We get very mm-hmm. enthusiastic about about our points that we make. Yep, absolutely. And it was very uh, fun, by the way, to draw an old tape recorder. <laughs> There's a scene where I have to draw an old tape recorder. And I was like, I'm going to put as much detail into this old tape recorder as I can. And you did. I mean, I can almost see. Oh, no, I can see it. Wow. You know, I'm surprised you're not going to get sued by half these companies. Because I can see the Panasonic <laughs> right? written on there. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, it's 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 a story about history, you know. The, these yeah. existed in history. Yep, exactly. So, so, but yes, it's a perfect example of like going on too long, and the other person is like, "Okay, we get it." Yep. Is that Mister? No, that's not Mister Pitt. Oh, it's Doctor. Okay. What's that? I'm I'm looking at the soda in the pizza story, and I'm trying to figure out if it's Mister Pib Tab or Doctor Pepper. <laughs> oh, I I drew a Dr Pepper at one yeah. point. It's Doc. Oh, sorry, it's Dr Brown's. It's Dr Brown's black cherry soda. Okay, that's what it is. Are you familiar with Dr Brown's? No, but the whole like the fact that you have a pizzeria story. My aunt and uncle owned uh, a pizzeria called Pizza Pantry in in Kingston, Massachusetts, for about ten oh, wow. years. Oh wow! Nice. Yes, yeah. and. They didn't do the thin crust. They did the the Greek stuff. They did all the the thick crust and the this that and the other thing and everything else. And so I'm reading this and I'm like, oh. And obviously, you know, you you, you have these things in your life where you, where you know these people like 
Carmine, and they're from a generation that just doesn't exist anymore where, you know, you put yeah. in 16, 17, 18 hours a day, 70, yeah. 80, 90 hours a week. You're there 24 hours, you know, 24 hours a day. You know, you're like, eventually when I die, somebody's going to have to take the headphones off my head because I'll probably die recording a podcast. Yeah. You know. Oh, totally, totally. It's just, it's just one of those things. And this story, man, ah, oh. <sighs> it's so good, folks. When you, re- I know we're kind of spoiling the hell out of most of Tony's stories in this book. But <laughs> That's okay. They're, they're not, they're not like twist ending stories. <laughs> true, but still, you know. But it's so cool and so fun to see you put together this this memoir slash homage to things that affected you in your life and. Well, thank you, man. Yeah, it's it's very very awesome, and everyone is going to want to to check out Tales from the Wolf by Tony Wolf, and you have oh, uh, who who are your, who are your, who are your other collaborators? Yeah, I know you have some other collaborators, but I don't have the title page. So the main the main uh, collaborator is the colorist who colored, I would say, like most of the book. Mm-hmm. Uh, goes by Griffin now, like a pen name, Griffin, like like the mythological Griffin. Yep. And uh, Griffin is terrific. Um, they colored so much of the book. And in fact, they colored so much that um, I've noted where other people colored it. It's like all, all things colored by Griffin, except as otherwise noted. Um, mm-hmm. And so... Uh, that's been terrific. Uh, great to work with Griffin. And, you know, I would, I would uh, provide a bunch of coloring notes and photo reference. A lot of the stories did have photo reference. And then, you know, Griffin would, would do a draft of coloring. I would give sort of notes, almost like a, like a film editor and a director, right? The director passes the footage off to the film editor and says, here's what I have in mind, but see what you come up with. And then uh, the editor does a first pass. And then the director gives notes and then you keep yep. going until the director says, okay, that's a lock. Let's move on to the next uh, sequence. Um, so Griffin, uh, and also I don't know Photoshop very well. <laughs> I barely know it. <laughs> but Griffin always helped me make, uh, if I needed to move a letter, I do all the lettering by hand, but sometimes, you know, I did a crappy job centering the lettering and I would say, I'd like this to be a little more centered. Can you move it over to the left or to the right? Um, and, uh, yeah, and Griffin also published um, mini comics of the first, oh, a Dead Robin. Griffin published, uh, like, a, a first edition of it many years ago, I want to say in 2014. And Griffin also uh, published a mini comic of the first two Greenpoint stories. So that was really cool. Um, and good, like I said, a lot of these things have not really been in print very much. Mm. So... Um, it's no, good to be have in print the, forever. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, the goal was I really wanted, um, you know, to have this book. And now that I'm 51, I finally have a book that is uh, so many, you know, 250 pages or rather 225 pages, everything in one in one uh, paperback. I think there's one short story that I forgot to include. And that's my own fault. And it might be a short story about um, 
I have to see if it's in the final version, but I did a short story about watching the Batman animated series yes. in my apartment. And I, I, there was one episode that was so cool. You know, they would, you remember they would, the Batman animated series would run at like 10 a.m. on a Saturday. Yep. So it was truly Saturday morning cartoons. Mm-hmm. And my roommate uh, was sleeping in the other room and I would be like, whoa, no way. Oh, that's so cool. And he came out and was like, hey, man, I'm trying to get some sleep. All right. Like, don't talk out loud to the TV. <laughs> you know, so. <laughs> I just thought it was funny. Like, that's how into the Batman animated series I was. Do you remember what episode it was? Oh, yes. It was the episode called Over the Edge, where <laughs> it's all a dream, but they like kill people, right? Doesn't Barbara Gordon die? Yep. That's the. In my. I know other people are going to say, you know, other things, but personally, my top two favorite episodes, and they. Depending on my mood, they will vary between number one and number two or over the edge and old wounds. Yes. But over the edge is the one, like you said, it's where the scarecrow basically makes it look like they killed Barbara and Jim finds out that Bruce is Batman. You lied to me all these years. Oh, my got, gosh. Yes. Yep. And we've got I know that story like like I don't even have to watch the episode. I could synopsize the whole damn thing. You know, yep. you got you got Nightwing coming in from Bloodhaven. You got this going on, that going. As soon as yes. Nightwing shows up in the boat and, and Lauren Lester opens up his mouth and talks, I'm like, oh, okay, time to pay attention. Let's go. Yeah. Yes. Know, no, Over the Edge is amazing. Absolutely love I that episode. Believe, and because the show didn't typically do like dream sequence shows, mm-hmm. right? I remember yeah, they've only going, done, I think, two. They did Perchance to Dream, which is all Bruce's and Batman's. Like, yes. my father, my this, my that. And it's a great episode. I'm not trying to take away from it, but it was that one yes. and it was Over the Edge. I think those are the only two in Batman the Animated Series that they did. Yes. So at the end of that story, I say in the comic, I wonder if I'm the only person who, like, woke up his roommate. <laughs> you know, because, <laughs> because that story blew my mind so much. I, I highly doubt it because yeah, yeah you're right. right. It, it, it it's such a mind blowing story, and I love when there are in anything comics, cartoons, movie. It, if there's a mind blowing part of the story, you're just like slacked, like your jaw is on the floor, like oh my god. Yes, and I couldn't believe the writers. You know, until they reveal at the end that it's it's mostly been a dream. I couldn't believe. I just kept thinking. They let the writers do this. The the like the Fox Network let the writers put this on the air. <laughs> you know? uh, it was Fox. I mean, come on. Yeah. Well, it's always it's always really impressive when when a TV show or movie the characters if there's like a simmering tension between people suddenly the characters like have it out. You know what I mean? They they say the dramatic thing that you thought they would never say or. Whatever the character's biggest insecurity is, they suddenly focus on that. And people, you know, I, I that episode was a, a lot of very gutsy, gutsy moves by the writers, you know. Oh, absolutely. Well, you know, they needed to do something at that point because that point was, it was either, I think it was either the new, the, the adventures, no, it was new adventures. It was, I forget. So they had changed. I think, so like I, the first, I think like, that was new adventures. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. New adventures era. Yeah, and yeah, because it was that styling, it was the black bat and all that. It was close to the end of the whatever, the end of the run, and 
Yes. Why not? Why not do a story like that? Why not do a story exploring what would happen if <laughs> mm-hmm. basically, basically the distinguished competition is taking the Marvel route. What if yes. Batman's identity was compromised or what if Barbara Gordon got shot and everybody found out Bruce Wayne was Batman and Batman's, yeah. you know, blah, blah, blah. And yeah, no, it's, it, it's, it was such a, oh, I love that episode. So good. So yes. Good. Um, so that, you know, I think, we we went through so many revisions of the book. You know what I mean? It's I don't know when you when you published your your poetry, like we went through you know just going over and over the drafts of of the the book and what order should things be in, and we tried yeah. to have little uh little section separators. Yeah. Um, like like trade paperbacks will do that, right? In between mm-hmm. a story, they'll have like a a super enlarged close up of a panel, and that'll be a yep. section separator. Um, so we had a lot of fun, you know, putting that kind of stuff together for this book. We tried, we tried to class it up. We tried to make it a little classy. Yeah. Uh, the books of poetry that I did end up publishing most of the poems, like they Uh weren't like I put them, I, I think I'd have to go grab it and find and look, but I think they were just in alphabetical order. Like, I don't Uh think there was a specific, like this story has to be this way. This, this one has to come before the, it was just like alphabetical order. So there was no specific like story. It was just, you know, do it that way. It's the easiest way to do it from A to Z. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. So that's very cool. Um, and so we, we had some printer delays. So the book, I thought it would be out by now, but the book is now shipping uh, to the publisher and then the publisher will send it out to various people who ordered it and such. But I'll I'll get you a I'll get you a physical copy, a free physical copy once I once oh, I have my on. stash. You, no, you come on, man. You, you've read this stuff all these years. I, I would like to. Uh, I'll, I'll definitely send you that. Awesome! Very cool! Very cool! And also, you know, going back to the acting thing, I was like like most of us were in the beginning few years ago, everyone was, was obsessed with the blacklist and Tom and Elizabeth Keene and red Reddington and all of that. Yes. They were just about to kind of not really kill the show off, but they were at a point where it went to a season finale or whatever it was. And uh-huh. we find out that Famke Jansen is Tom's mom and, or whatever yes. the hell it was. And, and the next thing you know, guess what? We're going to go the law and order route and we're going to have a separate series called The Blacklist Redemption. And yep. I'm I'm following people on Twitter and I'm looking at my Twitter timeline. All of a sudden I see at Tony Wolfness tweet, oh, by the way, I have a very, very small part in season one, episode <laughs> one of The Blacklist. I'm like, wait, what? I know yeah. somebody that's in an NBC show. Holy crap. That's amazing. Well, the fact that it was Famke Jensen too, I I was like, uh-huh. oh, of course we remember her as Jean Grey in the movie. Yep, yep. And so when I was there filming, I when I was there filming, I hoped I would get to meet her or briefly, you know, say hi to her, uh, say a quick polite right. hello or something. But she was, uh, I think she was on set, but she was not around when I filmed my scene. She might have been off. I think I heard she was in her trailer prepping for her next scene. Or something, but I remember thinking like, "Oh, wouldn't it be great to at least like 
get a picture or meet her or something, but uh-huh. but that didn't work out. Now the guy who was the lead in Redemption, Blacklist mm-hmm. Redemption, the guy who plays Tom, he's now the lead on that show New Amsterdam. Yep. So it was just funny. He was super nice. He was very polite. He was very friendly. He also was all business because he had, you know, he's the lead of the show. So he was like yeah, working hard on his scene yeah. and his bit. Um, but he was super friendly and very nice. And it's cool to see that he has his own other show now. Yep. Absolutely. And a friend of mine, a friend of mine just shot, this guy named Rob Figueroa just shot um, a, a nice scene as a surgeon on New Amsterdam. And I don't know, I don't think he, I don't think he was in the scene with the Tom actor. Uh, but I'll have to ask him. That, that actor's name, by the way, who played Tom is Ryan Eggold. Yep. Yep. But yeah, it was really fun to do. Uh, but it was fun when you when you do acting jobs, you get what the what's called a call sheet, and the call sheet is for the crew, and it's all the listings of the actors who will be there that day, and every member of the crew, right? Lighting, sound, costume, yep. the doctor. If someone gets hurt, there's a doctor always on call, and so I have a call sheet with my name is like four names under Famke Jansen's. And I was like, (laughs) that's amazing. Um, That's awesome. There's some other like big deal person too, who was in that episode. Um, Anyway, it was a lot of fun. It was a little, you know, when you're an actor also, sometimes your stuff gets cut or sometimes it gets cut down shorter than you expected Mm -hmm. due to the editing. Right. And you know that as a podcast editor, right? You can't oh, yeah. include everything. You have to cut stuff sometimes. Well, I, more, more so I cut around like if I screw up or or whatever yes, exactly. or if there's, you know, if we need to take breaks or that kind of thing. You, you know, you always cut around that stuff because nobody needs to hear any of that kind of stuff. Yeah. Nobody needs to hear dead air. Like, I mean, I know podcasting is not radio, but dead air is still dead air and nobody wants to hear that. Yep. Like, exactly. Know. Exactly, but if, it was. If to, only I could project my voice like screaming from the other room, like I'm, I'm walking away now, no, no, no. no, no. Like, you know. Yes, but to be on a show that that technically Famke Jansen was also in was uh was a real thrill. And you know Ryan's no slow. I mean Ryan was freaking Tom Keen. You know I mean you know Tom Keen as a character was was amazing. Was so cool yep. and so fun and 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 so interesting and. Yeah, as soon as she popped up as his mother, I'm like, holy crap, he has <laughs> yep. Z- he has Xenia on a top as his yes. mother. A James, <laughs> like, Bond, a James Bond villain. Yeah. Is, that, is, that from, is that Goldeneye? Yep. Yep. Wow. That is the yep. first thing I saw her in. And the next thing I saw her in was Rounders with um, uh, Matt Damon and John Turturro. Oh, yeah, I love Rounders. Rounders is yeah. a terrific, terrific movie. Yes, Rounders is amazing. I love that film. So, You know, it's funny with actors, too. You wonder, like, because, look, actors, no matter how successful they are, unless they're at the Brad Pitt level, they go through times of, of not always, you know, like Famke Jansen – I was just wondering, like, what is she up to lately? And I think looks like she's doing a lot of smaller, smaller movies, smaller TV shows. Um, but it goes in and out. You know what I mean? She was in a yeah. really cool Netflix series. 
How to Get Away with Murder, which is a big show. So it looks like she's done well. Sometimes I feel worried for total strangers. I'm like, I'm a little worried about Famke. I hope she's getting enough acting work, you know? And then I say to myself, it's silly that I'm like worried about these total strangers. I hope they're getting enough income and work. But I guess you would imagine the the residuals from all the movies she has done. That, that'll keep you going pretty well. Yeah, absolutely. I'm trying to see like if this was like a like based. So she's got something coming up or it already happened or whatever. She has a part in uh, she has a recurring part as Dr. Melinda Berenger in uh, Long Slow Exhale, which is an American women's basketball drama television series created by Pam Veasley or VC okay. uh, for Spectrum. When I saw the right. title, I'm like, Long Slow Exhale. That kind of reminds me of A Long Kiss Goodnight with Samuel Jackson and Gina Davis. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it's completely it, – it has nothing to do with that. But, but I yeah, see I mean, who else is in this. Josh Lucas is in this Long long mm-hmm. Slow Exhale. And Josh Lucas, didn't he play – who's the rival boyfriend in the first Ang Lee Hulk movie? Oh yes, I think. Yeah, who's yeah. who's like Betty? Oh, she man, who he, the guy that? who's trying to go after Betty in the Hulk comics. Oh, um, isn't he a major or a sergeant major or something? Let's see, something. But I don't. Yeah. Oh, uh, Glenn Talbot is Duh, Glenn Ta- Major yeah. Glenn Talbot. Yes. Yep. Yep. It's so funny too. We are truly in a golden age of superhero movies, right? I mean, we we're seeing. Back then, you never thought you'd see Glenn Talbot uh, in a movie, but now it's like Doctor Strange, Doctor Strange 2, so many characters, Werewolf by Night, they all have their own shows. Yeah, absolutely. And it just surprises me, like, what some of the people, like, you usually know, like, one actor from one thing. Okay, you know, you can take your Tom Cruises, or like you said earlier, your Brad Pitts, but like... yes. You know, take Famke Jansen, and I'm not trying to take anything away from her her career, right. but like like I said, the first two things I think of are Goldeneye and Rounders, and obviously the third thing, the mo- the most popular thing she did was Jean Grey. But like those are the three things I know her as. Like I don't really know her from anything right. else she's done, kind of thing. Yeah. So she's one of those one of those actors who's like you know, but it's fine with that kind of acting because you have things that they've done where it's like that affected you and you look like I might go watch Goldeneye after we're done with this. I don't know. Yeah. You know, it's totally, like, it's totally. just, it's just one of those things where it just depends on how these people who are doing this job, who are embodying these characters, it just depends on how they affect us. And mm-hmm. yes, you know, it's just, yeah. it's just awesome. And eventually we're supposed to, you know, we'll get new Marvel movies with the X-Men, like recast, yep. rebooted, re-everything. Yep, 20 years later. But also um, regarding this book, I'm just, I'm very thankful to Eli Schwab, who's the the head honcho of Cosmic Lion Productions, because he, uh, you know, he brought the whole book together and it was just really fun to work with Eli on this. And he's got... He's publishing a whole lot of indie books now that are really, really fun. Very cool. Very cool. That is that is awesome. That is so cool. I did an interview over on the pullback, and the reason why this is on GeekCast Radio, folks, is this is kind of a combination. This isn't my usual 
I back in 2013 when we started the pull bag, I didn't want it to just be, and I've said that people listening to the sound of my voice have heard this before, but you haven't. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't yep. want it just to be your standard. Oh, we're going to review the Dark Knight Returns. We're going to review this comic. We're gonna, I wanted right. it to have something extra to it, so I created this thing called the Pull Bag Origins, where okay. at the time it was 25 questions about reading comics. You know, getting into and getting out of reading comics and and all Ooh. that and. Okay. In 2019, I expanded that to 30 questions, and I've also expanded that through other things. So now we have comics, cartoons, toy collecting, and podcasting, where it's hmm. usually nice. anywhere from – well, the toy one is a little, little rough. Toy one's usually – the toy one because I was like, oh, I'm 42 years old, and 42 is the answer to everything, and I want this to be yeah. as in-depth as possible. Well – the toy collecting episodes usually record about two and a half, three hours because it's 42 questions about toy collecting. <laughs> yeah. so it takes up so, a lot. Yeah. Yeah. So it takes up a lot. It takes up a lot of time, but it's like, you know, I wanted to have something unique. So that's why this is kind of like, Hey folks, this is my kind of pseudo first time reunion with Tony. And we're talking about his book, but I'm sure at some point, I'll have him over on the pull bag specifically to tell his comic reading origin story kind of thing. Oh, and, sure. I would love to. Yeah, absolutely. And we can just, you know, promote the book again there. But my point in saying all this is over there. I had a guy come on call uh, named Rich Kozlowski. Uh, and he does uh, the he, he's done a bunch of other things. But uh, the current thing he's done and published is uh, Farm System. Okay. Uh, their, uh, IDW Publishing's imprint Top Shelf, and with Top Shelf, apparently they like doing what Eli and 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 Cosmic Lion likes doing, where it's like we are going to publish trade paperbacks. We're not going to publish single. And if they do, if Cosmic Lion does publish single issues, I'm sorry. This is the first time I'm learning about them. But there are certain right. comic companies out there that are not the big two or others. That yes, will just yes. do the trade paperback, full story, full, like you said, 220, 200 and whatever page, you know, whatever it is. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I like that because it's you get the whole thing in one go and you can read that whole story. You don't have to wait six months for the story to end. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> so I think I think Cosmic Lion has done maybe only one. I think they've done a few instances of single issues, but I think they in my experience of them, they focus more on, yeah, collections, paperbacks. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. All right, folks, we're going to take a quick break, and we're going to come back to close the show after this. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? 
they're also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, geeks and geekettes. Looking for a podcast that covers a vast array of topics? Then check out Altered Geek Unleashed, where we discuss our thoughts on this week's geeky news, tech, gaming, television shows, movies, cartoons, comics, and more. So, get altered, get geeky with the Altered Geeks, every Friday on the GeekCast Radio Network. Like science fiction? Of course you do, or you wouldn't be listening to the GeekCast Radio Network. Well, the Mark Who 42's Universe podcast is an award-winning sci-fi radio show that's been around for over 10 years. We cover everything from Doctor Who to the MCU to pop culture and everything in between. A new show drops on Tuesday mornings on the GCRN website and all of the major podcast platforms. So listen to the Mark Who 42's Universe podcast from the universe and beyond. On the Simplistic Reviews podcast, we talk movies. We talk TV. We talk... Hello, Julie, what the heck are you doing? Trying to make our spots sound more exciting by adding explosions. Yeah, I'm pretty sure you could have got the point across with sound effects, not the real thing. Download this show on iTunes or at simplisticreviews.blogspot.com. I'm sure your insurance company will cover that. No, they won't. No, they probably won't. All right, folks, we are back here on GeekCast Radio. This is episode 312. Like I said, it's the end of 2022. Happy end of the year, question mark. Happy beginning of 2023, folks. Uh, Tony, we've been talking about your book, Tales from the Wolf, but uh, anything else you want to promote? Anything else you want to say before I run through the closing? So I would just say that uh, you can pick up this paperback uh, collection of all my stuff at CosmicLionProductions.com. So it's Cosmic Lion, the way you would imagine Cosmic Lion would be spelled, CosmicLionProductions.com. They're on Instagram at Cosmic Lion. The Instagram name does not have the word productions. Um, It's Eli Schwab, uh, but he uses the handle cosmic lion and my instagram and twitter is tony wolfness the essence of me is my tony wolfness my name is just w-o-l-f with no e at the end so my twitter and instagram are tony wolfness and uh, i'm on facebook as just plain old tony wolf yeah there's no uh virginia connection folks what's the virginia virginia wolf Oh, yes. No, there's only one O in the name of <laughs> exactly. 
not quite. I'm not. I'm not literary fancy enough to be Virginia Woolf. I'm just <laughs> well, you know, it's kind of like you know, you know, it's kind of like Babs and Buster Bunny. No relation. It's it's that yeah, kind of joke. That's true, right? Yeah. <laughs> Babs is not a cousin or anything. Um, uh, well, and the book might be in the new series, but you never. Oh, know. that's true. Where they're doing a new series. Yeah, Tiny Toons Luniversity is supposed to be coming, and they're not so. They're, they're supposed to be brother and sister, step brother and sister, or something. I oh, interesting. Is. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. The other thing about my uh, paperback collection of comics is that it's twenty bucks for two hundred twenty-five pages, or thirty bucks if you want a signed uh, edition with a, a custom sketch of your choice. So, Cosmic Lion Productions is the place to go for that. And that's that's it for me. I'm also on IMDb, but it's just Tony Wolf. And thank you, thank you so much for having me. Man, are you kidding me? My podcasting dreams are just coming true. I had a guy on a couple of times on two different episodes. I had him on the comic show. I had him on the podcasting show. But I, I he's one of the first guys I listened to. One of the first guys I asked for podcast advice on how to do all this crap. And it's like, you know, 14, 15 years later, dream come true. Finally get to record with him, you know, nice. X number of years later from hearing you on a podcast. It's like, oh, I kind of know that guy. We kind of talk. <laughs> I kind of yeah. pay attention to him. I kind of see him in, you know, TV shows that I liked and, you know, sure, all that sure. good stuff. And so, no, man, this is awesome. And like I said, whenever. Who, who, is, I, the, who is the other guy, the, the first guy you mentioned? Oh, uh, Michael David Sims. He he runs. He's the publisher, the the owner over at uh, Earth Dash Two dot net. Uh, oh, okay. he's been podcasting for about. Uh, well, he's coming up on uh, in two thousand four. Two thousand four will be twenty years of his website. In two thousand five, it'll be twenty years of his podcast. So I had him on, and the podcast approach thing over on Studio two thousand nine is basically. <clears throat> I asked 30 questions about listening to and or producing podcasts. So nice. one of these days, maybe I can bug producer Mike to, you know, jump back into the action room. <laughs> I know it's funny. He's uh he's, he's pretty steadfast. I was just talking with him today, actually, since you asked about it, he's pretty steadfast in not revisiting the action room, but you know, he enjoyed well, it. But, I mean, uh, you know, uh, yeah, and, and that's fine. I'm saying, like, I could have him or both of you on the studio show where I the the subtitle of the show is podcast approach, and I could ask right. each of you know, I could basically say, you know, hey, here's a reunion of the action room, but yes, it's not actually the action room. Yeah, so it's like, you know, it's not really bringing it back. It's more so reliving the history of what it was. Yeah, I'll, I'll run it by him. He's, I'll run it by him. You never know. It's always worth asking. He's got a movie he's finishing up. He sh he wrote and directed a, a feature film, a horror film. It's sort of like sci-fi horror. And so now he's in post-production for that movie. Um, so maybe, maybe once that movie is out, he would also want to promote the movie. You never know. I'll I'll run it by him. Yeah, absolutely. All right, folks, thank you for listening to us here on GeekCast Radio. If you'd like to get contact with us or leave feedback for the show, there are several ways to do so. Visit the website, geekcastradio.com, where you can listen to and comment on all of our content. You can check us out on all the podcatching clients you choose to use. I prefer Spotify because I just like the UI, the, the user interface. It's the easiest one out of all of them. And plus, I'm not an Apple whore anymore. 
Follow us on Twitter at Geekcast Radio for the network at TFG One Mike for myself. Uh, he is at Tony Wolfness on Twitter. You can check us out on Facebook, facebook.com slash Geekcast Radio Network. You can also check out Cosmic Lion Productions over there as well. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Geekcast Radio. Wish you'll join us next time and we will be talking about another geeky topic, something. I'll have somebody on for 313. I don't know what I'm doing for 3. It's the end of the year, folks. I'm kind of burnt out, so. <laughs> sure, sure. So wait, this is episode 312? Yep. All right. I love it. Well, thank you for having me on episode 312. Absolutely. For now, I am TF2 and Mike with Tony Wolf. Thank you for listening. Until next time. Joe Kramer here, composer from Mission Impossible Rogue Nation. This podcast from the GeekCast Radio Network will self-destruct in five seconds. Mm-hmm.